Hello and welcome to the Grace Place NYC. We are a church in the neighborhood of Hamilton Heights in Harlem. Our purpose is to live for Christ, love the lost, and transform our culture. Wow, thank you. Praise the Lord. You know, this morning I had breakfast with little Paloma. That's our Melissa's, Missus. we call her Missa here, Missus daughter, which is our granddaughter. So my cup is full. I'm the happiest man in the world. Uh, I was just last week in Niger. Niger has the highest birth rate in the world, a uh, fertility rate uh, per women, about seven children on average, one of, the, one of the most needy places on earth. But we do, we do medical, medical mission there. It's 97% is Islamic, Muslim. So how do you open up the hearts? So we're seeing through education and through medicine, and we're seeing miracles. We see miracles because we don't just do medicine to medicine. We do it to open the heart to the contact. Connect. What's the word we're using? Connect, contact. And it's unbelievable when we pursue it in a way to give God a chance. You know, we don't have the answers. It's, my boat always seems so small. In the ocean, I sail so big. And uh, it's just important that we realize we're all in the same boat. Can we, can, you're, we're all in the same boat together. So uh, Missa was able to put together uh, that little video for me, and that's really, really why I wanted to show it, because I'm just, you know, I'm proud, I'm proud. So I'm, I'm here uh, thanks to her, and I have no misgivings of that. It, it opens our lives. Um, when you, I know we, what we can give away and what we can do for others really is something in the kingdom that we cannot we can't understand with our natural minds. And I know we're, we struggle sometimes. What about me? And how come this and that? And we want to be loved. We want to, and we should be. We are. We, we know it. But sometimes it doesn't quite feel that way. And I, I actually say this to people. I say, if you don't feel loved today, I, you know, go out and love somebody. What? You know, if you need something today, you know, you go out and give something away. What? If, if you need, and it's the, it's the, invisible, reversible reality of God. It, it just doesn't make sense in our natural mind. And you will have when you give. And it's just, it's just uh, really the, the, the paradox of Christian faith. It doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense. And the other reason I'm here is the name of the church, TGP, the Grace Place. When we had breakfast, Missa put us together to have breakfast uh, with uh, my wife, and uh, with uh, Priscilla and Pastor Steve, the pastors, and I said, Grace Place, man, I, I love that name. I want to steal it. I'm going to use it somewhere. Amen. And last year, we had a church in France that uh, pioneered, and a, a young guy, and he called, it, he, called uh, he looks a little bit like you, Steve. He's from Madagascar originally, really exciting guy, and he called the church the beginning uh, grand, grandiose. We can understand, understand that in English. Sometimes I might speak French this morning. I'm sorry. I'm always speaking French. And if you, need, if, it, if you don't understand me, just think he's speaking in tongues. But I'm not. There will be an interpretation. Just stop me. But grandiose is a, is a play on a word in French. You can also say os. Os. The ose is to dare. So to dare to be great. To dare to do something. So the name of the church was Grandiose. So we, there's a, that would name and your name are the names of the churches I most appreciate in the last year. So that's one of the reasons I wanted to be here, to receive from you guys. Well, I'm, um, 
I'm really excited this morning, and I do want to have, I, I think, a word. I share something with you. Um, I have been traveling quite a bit, but there's nothing more exciting than being with the people of the Lord at a special moment. How can you go to church if you are the church? Come on, figure this out for me. I go everybody, everywhere in the world, and they say, we're going to church. I say, how can you go to church if you are the church? And I nailed these guys in Niger. Niger is a country, these are so, they said, we would never have said that, but we were educated that way. I said, well, get uneducated. Get uneducated, and I am so sorry someone put it in your head that you're going to go to church at some point in time during the week because how can you go to church if you are the church? How, how can you do that? But we have just put that in ourselves, and we still live with that, and we got to get rid of it. We are the church, but we will gather to fellowship, to celebrate, to live, to pray together, and there's nothing more joyful for me. Man, I'm going to, if I could just be with my grandbaby in my arms and walk a few minutes to fellowship with the saints of the Lord, I, I would be doing this all the time. You might get me back occasionally if you want. <laughs> but uh, I want us to look at a message this morning. I want to look at a thought and found in the, in the book of 1 Kings 19, 11 to 13. We're going to read a passage, and I want to bring out a few ideas, hopefully to edify us, the work of the Lord and the work of the Holy Spirit should exhort us, right? Kind of, we shouldn't be, we should edify us. We should encourage us. We like to be encouraged. Then we like to be built up, edified. And exhortation is when it kind of, you know, the shepherd, the good shepherd was given the, the, his little stick had a little hoop on it, both to save the sheep and the little baton, the stick was to push him along sometimes, right? So the exhortation is to, is to push us, Lord, Get us going. Help us get back in line. And the, and the, the other end, the hulot in French, is to, is to save us constantly, to keep us from, from getting off of the, of the narrow and the, and the path he's laid out for our lives. So if we could, I don't know if we can put the scripture up. If not, I'll read it. And I want us to focus at the very beginning of this passage. It's a word to Elijah. And um, I also messed that up in French and Egypt. Elijah Elise, we say, it's Elijah and Elisha. So this is Elijah, who previous to his being led to choose Elisha, Elijah was given this word. He had probably experienced a tremendous uh, uh, moment of, of victory, of vindication. Uh, he had just seen his, his ministry, his whole life, and the, and the honor to God uh, exonerated with a great a battle with the prophets of Baal, and he had, you know, fire from heaven had come down, and then he was given a, a tough situation, or he, he left that situation, a tremendous high. Jezebel, at that time, challenged him, and then he kind of ran for his life, and he finds himself in a situation where God speaks to him. That's the context. But I want us to focus at the very beginning of this verse, and I want us to have three words this morning, three thoughts as we look to, to a, a more, you know, a, a deeper thought where God opens, opens heavens to us, opens understanding to us. Because ultimately what we want to do, all of us, I think, is we want to hear from God. Amen. We don't want to just do church, right? We just don't want to do service, do things. We want to, in our walk, in our life, we want to have that revelation. We want to hear from God. And revelation, that's not, you know, Take away all kind of weird feelings about revelation. Revelation is, is, let me tell you a story once. 
I, I just gotten married to my wife. You saw some of her pictures. And um, I had, after the marriage, we were together. I, I, I went and I, had, I took my shower and I dressed myself like I had been doing it for about 26 years, or I thought I had been doing. And I, I came out of the bedroom and my wife was there and she looked at me right away. And you know, people notice clothes. She goes, No, no, no. I go, What? She said, Go change. Go change. I said, what? Oh, okay. I don't know what's wrong. I had no idea. I went and I changed. I came back out, and she goes, uh, go change. That's not right. I said, what? She looked at me right away. She said, no, no, no. It doesn't fit. I said, what doesn't fit? It, and she said, go change. I went and changed again. I came back out, and she goes, no, no, no. I said, what do you mean? She says, well, the socks don't go with the shirt, and the, and the belt doesn't go with the shoes. And I, I, said, I said, oh, my gosh. And it got... Marriage got complicated for me at that point. My heart was boom, 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 I'm in the heavens, and all of a sudden, reality's hitting. Well, I went back in, and the next time it didn't match, I just said, Martine, give me what you want me to wear. I don't care. I, I just, I'll do whatever you want, and that's what she's been doing all these 30 years. When I travel, if you look at my suitcase, she packs the bags, packs the socks, and everything. Well, one day, I was up in the upstairs, and... Uh, Came out of the shower and went to get my clothes, and I couldn't find my socks. So I yell, Martine, where are my socks? And she's down in a blower, down the steps. She says, they're up there, in front of your eyes. I said, oh, God, that makes me troubled. I'm looking around. I say, but I don't see them. She says, they're right there. Open your eyes. I said, okay. <laughs> then I'm scared because I'm looking for the socks that I can't find that are supposed to be there. I'm running around, I look around, and I, I just one more time, I hesitate, but I say, Martine, please, I can't find my socks. And I hear the steps, up the steps. And she walks over, and on the bed where she, the socks were, and where I had taken my bath towel, my towel, and thrown it on the bed, she walked right to the bed, picked up the towel that I had thrown over the socks, and says, there's are your socks. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, Revelation, it's, there's nothing new. Everything I have for you, everything I've created, everything I have thought of is already there. I just need to open your eyes to see it. I need to get you positioned where I can speak to you and show you Revelation. Now, Revelation doesn't make us better, doesn't improve us. What we do with it can have transitional, extraordinary effect on our lives and other people's lives. But it's just the heart of God, a God who's not like us, showing us what will always be there and is already there. So we, it's not weird, it's not, and we're not, we're not seeking revelation, we're seeking the one who gives revelation, right? We don't seek the gifts of the Spirit, we seek the giver of the gifts, right? And doing that when we're balanced and positioned, all these other things will be given on to us. And they will open doors and pathways. And the smallest place, the most insignificant place, becomes the most amazing place because the pathway is open. Someone opened themselves, was positioned, received revelation, and walked, and, and walked this, earth, this journey on earth with a living God. And the world changes. So this morning, it, it's, it's the story I want us to get us to. But let's look at this first verse in 11. And the words I want, and he said, now this is God said, go forth. Let's all say that word, go forth. That's our first point, go forth and stand. Stand, second point, stand. Stand, get positioned. 
stand, hold on. It's going to be the hardest part in most of our Christian journeys, most of our life journeys. I can get going, but then I got to hold on. I got to stand. I got to persevere. We, we started something, praise God. I got it, and then I have to persevere. We give up a little bit on the way. We get tired, and we need encouragement. And God will do that. But the first thought, go for it, stand upon the mount before the Lord. So we're before the Lord, before the Lord. That's my third point. We're is very important to get positioned and behold the Lord. Now let's read what happened. And behold, the Lord passed by and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind and the wind and after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. And it was so when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering of, in of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, what does thou hear, Elijah? Basically said, why are you here, Elijah? Now the whole... That could be troubling. <laughs> Lord, I left everything. Why am I here this morning? I came here. I, I struggled through the morning. I had, I, you don't know how many challenges I had. And then the Lord would say, why are you here? Now, one thing about God's questions. Remember this. When God asks a question, he doesn't need the answer. You need to think about the question. I will tell you the honest truth. When I came, I came to the Lord, I was traveling through Spain. I was not, in 2021, I had been a fisherman. I had been a, a salmon fisherman in Canada, a fisherman in Greece. I met Mrs. Mom in Spain, where I, had, I came into the knowledge of Jesus Christ. I was brought up, my mom was a faithful believer. Her faith was sometimes in her faith, in religion. So I didn't have a living relationship with Jesus. But I came into that knowledge in Spain. And I began to read the Bible. So where did I begin? Genesis, because I want to know everything. Genesis 1, Genesis 2, Genesis 3. I came to this passage in Genesis 3, verse 9. You can read it. God says, Adam, where are you? I closed the Bible. I got scared. God didn't know where Adam was. I'm telling you the truth. I, this is a, think of it. Is anyone here reading the Bible for the first time? I always go back to that. Praise God. I love it. I love it. Enjoy it. Go for it. I remember constantly the first time I read that Bible, and I didn't understand it. And, and God's helped me since a little bit. And so today, if I could come into what I'm doing and, and learn to wear the armor, learn to be the person God's created me, what a beautiful word, I believe, for all of us. We'll come to that. I think John gave a little word this morning. We heard in prayer about the situation where David was succumbed to take the armor of Saul when he needed to wear the armor God had given him. So in, in our walking and our destiny, in our creation, how God created, I if God can do something with my life, he can do something with your life way beyond it. He can do something with everybody's life. And Adam found himself, God, I read that passage the first time in the Bible, and I shut it, and I, was, I literally, I was scared. I said, what, what do you mean? God, you don't know where someone was. Now, I learned later and so forth, but the day I really learned it is when I had my, own, my first child. I had told, Jer his name was Jeremiah, Melissa's. Fortunately, they're not here, because when I travel with my children, and if I mention their names, 
or say anything, they tell me later, you owe me five, we say euros, because like dollars, you owe me five dollars for every time you use my name in church this morning. But they're not here, and they're grown up, so I can talk all about them. I want. I've already owed this about $100. <laughs> and I said to Jeremiah, don't do that. There was something in the house, something in the living room. And he did it. And I said, don't do that. And he did it. And I was teaching him, and time went by. And I probably told him a hundred times, don't do it. And I felt it was settled. And then one day, just there, and somebody was there, and he, I knew he was about to do what I told him not to do. And I, even, I said, look at him, don't do it. And before my eyes, in front of my face, everything, he did exactly what I had been telling him not to do. And I just looked at him and I said, Jeremiah, where are you? And I said, that's what God was saying to Adam. Adam, where is your head? Why did you do what you just did? Do you not know who you, who are you? And so questions from God are not for him, they're for us. Um, there's another one I want to come back to because I want us to do a little exercise this morning. But let's just quickly remember the first point this morning, go out, get up. In this translation, it was, uh, I liked the, the, the translation, it's an older English, King James Version, okay. She asked me what versions, I said whatever, whatever version. I work overseas, second language English speakers. This is a tough one, but it says, uh, uh, go forth. This is the whole story of our faith. It's the whole essence of why I believe we are the people. It's not about doing, it's about being. Now, now we see when God gets us going, when we get going, you know it takes more energy to get a missile off the earth than it is to guide it. It takes 90% of the force and energy we get to build and invest in one of those missiles, getting it off the ground. After that, all we have to do is guide it. And that's the story of our faith. That's the story of the mission. That's the story of the, the things we do together. Grace Place. Coming together for something. To stay together. But to get it going is a challenge. Go ye into all the world. If I just simply took God at his face value and the knowledge that he said, if you go, I'll provide. I said, okay, I can handle that. He said, seek you first the kingdom of God and, all these, and his righteousness and all these other things will be given unto you. I said, I can handle that. That was the first revelation, word I had that I said, this is truth that I do now know is, is stronger and truer than any other truth I've ever had before. I've been walking on that. So that, so many things I do makes it simple. How do you get there? How do you do that? I don't know, except I stood up. I got going. It does get easier. Our faith never diminishes. There's something about the cross. The cross is a beautiful thing, not to be just worn around the neck, not just to be held in the buildings, not just to signify we're Christians, but it's really, uh, it's the witness of God. It's the place our will and God's will cross, and it's the story that changed destiny. It released, the curse was finished, and Christ gave himself completely at that point. And it totally bought back everything that we lacked, took away all judgment and condemnation, and now we can stand by faith, having received his work, we can stand righteous, just, at peace, reconciled with God, the cross. It's where it all happens. And the Bible says, take up, okay, get up, get up. Take your cross. 
take, that can sound real religious if we don't understand it. He says, take my call on you. And what we find is that as we practice our faith and things happen, our cross will grow with our faith, okay? It's not like all of a sudden, you know, in the world you think, I'm going to get a hold of this gig. I'm going to understand this job. Then I'm going to be able to take some time off, right? Right? Isn't that how you deal with this sometimes? You know, I might have to work hard now, but that's life. But I'm going to be able to do this because later, well, God's yoke is easy. His burden's light, right? He wants us to walk in Sabbath, peace. I'm preaching to myself right now because I... I'm coming out I'm this week. i got to meet some people and talk about Sabbath and learn. But I know what it means. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Okay, Come to me, all you who are heavy laden. And it's, it's like the cross. The cross is a burden. The yoke, he, to tie us with him in unity. And as we walk with God and our faith grows, so does the cross. Because our cross grows with us to keep us balanced. So we're not of the world. We're in it, right? But not of it. That's the greatest revelation for the kingdom. We're in it, but not of it. We do the same stuff, but we're not of it. We're in it and not of it. And so we grow with the the cross grows, and and, and it helps to, to define us and keeps us balanced. And the key, go you into all the world. Stand up. Rise up. Get out. Lazarus. Is there a Lazarus in the house? Get out. You know, I can move the stone, Lord. There's, but I'm like Mary, you know, hold on, hold on. Or was it Martha? I think it was Martha. Hey, he's been in there three days, Lord. I don't think you want to do that. And Jesus just says, is there anybody in the crowd? Can you guys move the rock? Well, I vol- nowadays I volunteer. I want to remove any rock because I can do that. I can't raise him from the dead. I can, uh, now I know I can articulate the words by faith, but it's God himself, Jesus the same power, the same truth, that doesn't change. But Lazarus, get up! Now the church helps move the rocks. That's a whole another story to preach on that one. But after Lazarus was risen, what do you say? You unwrap him now. Take off his dead clothes. We got to get our hands dirty. Getting out, getting up, going into means getting our hands dirty. But we have to first make the step. The second aspect is to stand. That is absolutely, a lot of times we're not prepared for that. Because our question is, how long, Lord? How long? I mean, if I know how long, it might help me. Some of my kids, you get them in the car, we're going to travel. It's taken a lot of work to get to that point. And they get in the car, and the door's shut. All right, when are we going to get there? Dad, how long is it going to take? And it's like, whoa, now the whole battle starts again. I don't know sometimes, but getting positioned. Now, you see this call of God in just these few words. Get up, get out, stand. Now, we don't stand anywhere, right? If you want an answer to something, you can find an answer. If you want direction in your life, you can find it anywhere and probably find it right out here on 145th and Amsterdam. I even know where I am today, praise God. (laughs) You can find an answer. You could walk down farther and somebody has a sign up and you might even pay them a little bit of money. Read your cards. But where we find answers is before the Lord, before the mountain of the Lord. Remember the story of, of Abraham before he became Abraham? Abraham. He said, get up. Leave your family and your land. Well, what did he do? 
He left his land, but he took his family, took his dad, took his, cousin, his nephew Lot. Father died halfway through. It might have taken 17 years, we think. He stopped his journey in Horeb. You can read this in Acts 7. You can read it. In the, that was the revelation of, of uh, Etienne. Stephen gave the understanding of it, and we tie it up with the story of Abraham. The, the people knew the story of Abraham, his journey. He left with his father. Once his father died, it says his journey continued. And you get to Acts thir Genesis 13. I'm not, we're not going to read it right now, but just uh, probably we can remember it. Lot, Lot and Abram had prospered. And there was a big fight between the sheep, the shepherd holders of their goods, between Lot and Abram. And Abraham, the older, the mature, looked to Lot and said, Lot, I believe Abraham started to understand things. He said, Lot, you choose. If you go east, I'll go west. If you go, if you go north, I'll go south or to the east and the west. They were at the river to the promised land that God had been leading Abraham. So it might have been 30 years in. How long? I don't know. But when we take that journey of God and we got up and we start to move, don't give up. Don't give up. The words of God are not our yes and amen. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he not spoken and will he not do it? We must hold on to that. Now, but we sometimes misunderstand the importance of being positioned. See, God's not in a hurry. He has time. <laughs> He's not on our time. We have to get on his time. So Abraham, at that moment, the older, what, what an image of the father of faith. Why would that person be called the father of our faith? Look at his life. Study his life. Understand his life. He actually was the older, and that's unheard of, especially in some cultures. You just don't bow to the younger. The younger, has, you, even when you're wrong, sadly, you never say that to a younger. There, our cultures sometimes destroy faith. Abraham, the father of faith, showed us an example that he humiliated, he humbled himself, I want to say, before the younger, and Lot, of course, made the wrong choice. Lot wasn't in line with God. He wasn't centered. And Abraham, at that moment, if you read it, it's so beautiful in Genesis 13. It says, the minute that Lot was taken aside, God said, lift up your eyes, Abraham. See, God wants to say to all of us, lift up your eyes. Like Elijah, I, Elijah, you just went through a deep dynamic. Elijah, you've built up in your life some understanding about me, revelation, power, how I answer prayer. So God went on to give Elijah a, a study, like you and I. We sat, he had a, had a Bible study with God, showed him all this stuff. And at the end, Elijah was surprised because what God showed him through revelation, through unveiling the, the veil, Taking it away wasn't exactly how Elijah had been perceiving God to be. And that's what, that's what should happen to all of us. We should be getting those shock moments often with God and be happily surprised. You know, not defending ourselves, right? right. Not, oh, yeah, but I thought you were, especially before someone else. Just say, oh, Lord, thank you. You still got my number. But God says, do you have my number? <laughs> I got your number. Don't you worry about that one. Do you have my number? And being positioned, being positioned allows us to see the very thing God wants to give us. He wants to deepen that relationship. 
Deepen that confidence. So we're not just talking about something, not just doing something, but we're really there in the center of his heart and his will. And you can't be in the center of his heart and will if you're not, if you haven't heard it. If you haven't, and the principle, this is, this is meat and meat and, I was going to say, I didn't know whether to say rice and beans or meat and potatoes or, you know, uh, kof, uh, whatever the different foods are. You know, we live in the most, this city is amazing. But the, the basics, look at this. I'm rooting for, I hear there's a guy named Patrick Mahoney's. If you ever see him throw and do football, he's all over the place. But you know what? He's, when he started as a child in sports, because we, we, we teach all, in all the sports, whatever sport we play, we're talking about position, being balanced, the center of your being. And really, when we're talking about being positioned in God, it's where your heart's centered. Now, Mahoney's today, he has so practiced, and people, it, it, it looks like he's all, you would not, he, you don't teach those as fundamentals. He knows the fundamentals. But whenever he strikes and the pass goes where he wants, he's centered. The arms and the legs are less important because he's so disciplined, he's centered. And so for our Christian analogy, the storms come when things don't go like we want. But if we're positioned like this guy, the great athlete is, we're going to make the strike. We're going to make the touchdown if that's what the goal of the Lord is. We're going to get there because we're centered. And this is the key, center. The centering is before the Lord, before the mountain of the Lord. The greatest, greatest call of God for each of our lives is to be worshipers. When Israel came out of, of their bondage of, of hundreds of years, and at that time too, Moses was trying to say, Lord, you, you think Moses was born a famous man? Knowledgeable? No, of course. It took years to get centered. Come on, guys. Keep on going now, okay? Don't get tired. It took years. And then the first thing was like, Lord, what do I do with these people? Take them to the mountain to worship me. It, it's, it's the center of our, our being. Worship, giving to God, your tithes, your offerings. It's worship. It, it's worship. It's honor. Honor and worship are, are so intricately uh, tied together in our understanding of God. And that's why we do what we do. That's why we gather. We're truly, it's, it's positioning ourselves to honor. And it's not just about us. It's not about each other. Thank God when that, we got less problems today than we had yesterday. Amen? Amen? Thank God when we work through that stuff. But regardless of whatever, we're still positioning ourselves to worship and honor God. That's why we gather. And God adds to the increase. God builds. We've gone out. We've positioned. We're before the Lord. And... Um, you're going to have to help me out with time because I got started. I didn't even look. I got so excited. I was so nervous. I'm still nervous. Oh, I'm always nervous, especially between, before Mrs. people. You're going to say, I met your dad. That means a lot to me, Missa. So questions. I want to come to another question. I told you about Adam's question when I was surprised. I, heard, I thought I heard God say, where are you, Adam? And I began to realize, wait a second, God knows where Adam is. Adam had forgotten where he was. And there's another one. We're not going to read the passage, but I love it. It's in Mark, Mark chapter 10, Mark. And uh, it's a, with the, a blind and beggar, a man who was both blind and a beggar. His name was Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus was out in the street. He heard Jesus was going to come by, and he began to yell. And his friends go, no, 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 stop, stop. 
Don't be embarrassing. You know? And Jesus heard about, heard Bartimaeus, heard about him and said, bring him to me. Well, though some people, this, those same people who were saying, quiet, 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 I think it was then that said, okay, the master wants you, let's go. Then we're going to get a free ride. They're going to meet the master. So be careful who your friends are when, you, when God wants to really do something. Right? No, 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 don't get in, don't step out too far. Be, be careful. And then all of a sudden, Jesus says, no, I want to see him. Then, oh, they, they're going to be with you. You know, come on, you got to know who you are. I got to know who I am. That's all. The word morning, a little time of prayer, is probably one of the most significant words I've ever had in times of past. You had a young man, David. All the political intrigue. You guys in America, a lot of politics going on. Won't go there. I'm an outsider. All the time. But with God, it, time doesn't change. There's always going to be intrigue. Well, David had a chance. There was this Goliath who was defying the armies of God. No one stood up against it. David was the youngest of his family. Nothing particularly would have chosen him, and yet he had a God indignation. He got up, the king, the king had offered his daughter to the guy who slew this, this Goliath. Can you imagine that that didn't motivate? He was trying to motivate people. I mean, that was some tremendous. And uh, humility. When people ask me some of the key examples of humility, because that's a huge one, right? Uh, Jesus, would, when I use that scripture, you know, come on, come on to me, you who are heavy laden, and take my yoke, learn of me, because I am meek and humble of heart. And when we look at difficulties in the church, in the family, in the workplace, it comes around humility. Well, I'm not being proud, I'm just being determined. I'm not being proud, They're just, they just need to not abuse me. Well, what is true humility? Well, in the message of Jesus, Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 to 30, he says, I am humble, I am uh, lowly and humble of heart. Receive my instructions, right? Receive my instructions and you will find rest for your souls. So humility helps us find rest. And humility is tied to teaching. So I think the simplest definition I use is you're teachable. You're able to be taught but like Elijah, stand before the mountain of the Lord. The reference is the Lord's reference. A humble person isn't a walkover, not a pushover. A really humble person, we don't have to defend ourselves or argue because we know that's not. And the truth of the matter, when you say you're humble, watch out, you're probably not anymore. So we know that's also bad medicine, don't mean bad example. But humility is, is so key. I believe humility is the key also to unlocking both, both to receive the revelation and teaching of God and also to live out the victorious life, to walk consistently. But it, it, it deals with teachableness. Now, David found himself a young man with all of these worldly opportunities tied into a conviction. David saw his Goliath. In fact, in the ministry I'll do globally, I think the key is, is knowing our Goliaths. We're, when I see that of the Lord, we'll get there. You got to hold on. <laughs> you got to step out. You stepped out. You got to hold on. I don't know for how long, but there was a, there's a lot of intrigue in David's story, but there's an example there, like any of our stories. But to see your Goliath means you're saying, Lord, I, I'm ready. But sometimes, usually, when you see your Goliath, it's not for tomorrow. There's going to be some work going on, just because that's going to, we want fruit. We want lots of fruit, but fruit that remains.
And we, when we get fruit that remains, we process the principles. We've really held on and we've gotten positioned so the teaching comes and it's not in vain. Our hearts are prepared to receive of the Lord. So David found himself with that option. And, and this word was given to us, reminded to us this morning. And the, the king said, take my armor. And I'm telling you, in the way the world is structured, it's a little bit, it would be a little bit like here, if the governor or the president or a senator or somebody of significance offers something, it's very challenging to say no. But in a tribal kingdom world, it's like, praise God, we get, we get a semblance of understanding Jesus the king through the kingdoms of the world. It, it shows authority, a position. So Jesus is the king. The kingdom that we live in is not of this world, but he is the king. At the same time, the Messiah, he is the servant. The, he's, our, he's, he's our Lord. So the, when the king tells you something in that context, like David's context, it, is in, it would be next impossible to reject. Even if you, but you, I believe it was one of the most humble acts in the Old Testament or in the scriptures where David didn't disdain Saul the king, didn't say, you don't know anything. He humbly, and, and when you work with leadership that you disagree with, take that as a lesson. God is, you, you want to stay with God, right? And, 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 and just know where you're centered at. You don't need to put anyone down to go farther. You don't need to knock people down and throw them under the bus to go farther. There's so much to do. David did not in any way uh, give dishonor to Saul. But he knew, your armor, I can't use. I haven't tried it. And what I'm called to do, I can use what I know. And what a, what a beautiful story, and I think is a prophetic word for the church and for many of us to just come back to our identity. Know who we are. Persevere in that. Don't try to be someone else. Oh, my gosh, it'd be tough. Uh, in France, when we've seen the wonderful things we've seen, it's, it's a miracle. We don't have mega churches down the street and, and uh, tremendous ministries that were thrown into our, our sights as if to com compare ourselves to. It's the downfall of humanity. And we heard that little word this morning. Keep that beautiful word, too, about the comparison. But the, the, the story of this uh, remembrance of David is, is, is to call us back to say, we have to walk in the armor, in what God's given us. And if God... If Jesus with 11 people, some say 12, I think he did it with 11 and then he added a few on, could change the world. Man, we are overflowing here. We can change the world three times. We're not looking at numbers. We're looking at being united, being placed together to do that. And it comes back to the uh, uh, before the Lord. And I, I want to do a little exercise, but I want to finish that Bar Bartimaeus story. So Bartimaeus was, was blind and a beggar. Jesus called him, and when he got before, when, when Bartimaeus, Bartimaeus found himself before the Lord, what was the first thing Jesus said to him? He said, it's a little bit like uh, Elijah. I, could, I understand a little bit the, the mixed, mixed feelings we can have with God, because we can feel mixed, because he, he has to shake us up. I, I kind of found one thing out for people. If, if you don't know this by now, when I have relationship and talk with God or kind of a dispute, you know, I mean, we're not meaning we're not seeing eye to eye. Usually it's not his eyesight that needs to change. It's mine. 
And at the end of the story, it's usually not him that's changed, it's me. So that's just what's going on. There's some, because God respects us so much. I probably could not be and be so proudly and, and in love with the Lord after all these years if I didn't realize how much respect he had for me. And that builds in my spirit respect for others. He makes it very clear what he wants me to do sometimes. And, and a lot of times, it's not what I want to do. I'll, you know, it wasn't the first thought. But he wins me. And we also have a call to win Christ in our hearts on the journey. But it's respect. And to get there, you got to have interaction. It has to be real. There has to be real legitimate change. Not just words. Not just singing on Sunday, right? It's that my life is really foundationally changing. I'm, I'm, I'm no longer the same person. I'm not processing. I'm seeing these principles. So Bartimaeus, like Elijah, Elijah, what are you doing here? I could see Elijah going, what do you mean what am I doing here? My life is messed up. I run from this Jezebel. And, no, but God, but if you, read, if you study this story, I don't want to go into it. That question was asked twice. It was asked the beginning and asked, and Elijah didn't get it on both sides. And basically, Elijah was said to choose Elisha, and I have 7,000 people that haven't bowed, haven't bowed, like you think you're the only one? I got 7,000. Go anoint a couple of kings and go choose Elisha. So I think their relationship was coming a little bit to a new dimension. Maybe Elijah's was coming to a little bit of an end. And whatever. God is patient and long-suffering. His desire is to get us to hear him. So Bartimaeus also gets before Jesus. And Jesus said, what would you like me to do for you? What do you want me to do? And I think about that often. And I come back to my existence. And even in church sometimes, because I spend some time what we call church, right? The church isn't the building. It's the people of God. A lot of us, when God, you know, somebody owes you, what do you want God to do? Oh, God, that your will be done. Okay, now imagine you're talking to God. God says to you, what do you want me to do for you? Oh, God, that your will be done. He's going to go, well, don't you worry about my will. It's going to get done. What do you want me to do? Oh, God, all-powerful, glorious God, you know all things. You do what you want to do. He says, well, thank you for affirming. I'm all-powerful, all-glorious. I'm going to do what I want to do, but I want to know what you want. What do you want? When I talk about that trust with God, he really, a lot of us, we get so into religion. We don't realize it's really more simple than that. And why do some people with simple faith get things that we think? Wonder why sister so-and-so prayed for a pink Cadillac and she got it. Now she's running around all over on TV telling people about pink Cadillac. God didn't care about the pink Cadillac, by the way. He didn't. It was faith. I found, you know, I go to some of the poorest. I am, I mean, we, we're all, every day of your life just helps you rebalance priorities and value. But God isn't moved by our needs. He's moved by our faith. That shouldn't be a tough message. And it's not to be a message to run with a, a strange kind of faith. Revelation, simple. It's real. It should be tangible. It should be effective. He's, he's, faith is confidence. Dad, I'm here. I love the story. The little kid, he, he went with his grandfather. There was a drought going on. It was in the United States. And all the farmers and their families gathered in the field. It had been a terrible drought. And the little boy walked out to the field with the grandfather. And they said, Grandpa, what are we doing today? Aren't we going to go pray for rain? 
and says, yes, we're all coming to pray for rain. We've been fasting. And the little boy just said, but granddaddy, why didn't you bring your umbrella? Simple confidence. Faith is confidence. I really believe it's going to happen. The centurion understood, understood order, understood the invisible. He said, you just say the word and it'll be done. And Jesus, I haven't seen such faith. And then look at the other time Jesus made that comment. With the, she was a Phoenician woman, not even of the Israeli people, an outsider. And, she, and, and Jesus said, I only have come, the people, the children of Israel should get the benefit. And she said, yes, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall. And Jesus said, I've not seen such great faith. Faith is, is, is that humility and that confidence. confidence. So Bartimaeus ends up before Jesus. And he says, what would you have me do? And I'm afraid too many believers today will start getting religious. Oh, God, you know what you should do, and I want your will to be done. Of course, maybe, yes. I think God's going to work. I think the amazing thing of a father as he is, he's, it's going to be like he wanted it, and I don't know how it gets there. I'm, I'm like the guy who looks at the vision of God, and if you've ever had one of those beautiful carpets made, um, and at the, on the back side, they're just a tangled bunch of knots. And, it's not, it's not, and th that was one person's vision one time. They were looking into the heavens and they saw, they didn't realize they were looking at the back side of one of these beautiful rugs. And they were confused. And then they were brought around to God's side and they saw the beautiful rug, the image that was on the other side. I kind of feel like looking through a glass darkly. I see the little things. His will's going to get done, but he wants to know what do you want. He wants you to really say, Lord, what do you want? And so this morning, if I hadn't gone over my time already, I was thinking to have you sit with somebody uh, for just two or three minutes at least. Okay, I want you to find one other person. And I want you to think of these two questions. Okay, the question of Elijah. What are you doing here? I want you to speak this out with somebody. Speak. Maybe somebody you don't know. Maybe somebody you could get to know better. That is even always better. And the second question is, what do you want God to do? Maybe you can pray together, and, and as we move through the service, Pastor will, will finish, but there could be a chance to say, I'm not going to forget about that this week. I'm going to phone you. I, wanna, I want us to have time to pray, because the power of unity is extraordinary. I go to places on earth where we live more of a power dynamic that can be explained. I work with some, uh, we work in uh, tremendous revival zones, uh, a few weeks ago, I spoke to 120,000 people just because it's revival in Nigeria. It's, it's, it's amazing. And, we very, and it's very, they're called obedience structures. I, I call them that. I don't think I've ever read in a book. I don't read enough books. With all my degrees, mind you, I, how do, I could write a book, How to Get Degrees Without Reading a Book. But, uh, I'm, so don't be scared. It's just, it's God's grace. So these are, revivals are going on in the kingdom People are not asking 10,000 questions. There, there, there's, there's a simplicity of this. I have faith in this. We're just going to do it. So uh, um, the, uh, uh, when, we, when we move into the, into the dynamics, keep, keep it simple. What, what would you have confidence? What, does God, what do you want from God? But the power, it, when I see these power dynamics, what I want to share is that a lot of times we forget the power of two. You know, one can make a thousand flee, two can make ten thousand. If any two what's, agree on anything whatsoever on earth, I will do it. And so there's some, because that dynamic cannot happen 
outside of a true kingdom principle. We can associate, we can, we can make a deal, we can agree on a process, we can uh, come together for something. But true unity, I believe, is really a gift of the Spirit when we relinquish. Yeah. When we, and we're in a new kingdom because I, I choose what my prayer is. Your prayer is my prayer. My blessings are your blessings. And we come to something that we cannot get from the world or the spirit of the world or you know, the spirit of the, of the fallen. Because there's power games, control, who's ahead. But God brings us in, in, a, in a, there's only one Jesus, amen? We're all on the same ground. After that, we have different tasks, different ministries, different gifts. But we all have the same commitment, and so that unifying. So, if, do we have a three or four minutes to get together, or we, that could be an exercise given for later? Yeah, because I've been going a lot of time. So, what I'm going to challenge you, okay, pastor knows everybody. I want you to, to this week, okay, well, I'm out holding my Paloma, and I'm not around. Before you leave, say, I'm going to be your partner this week. I want to I I give account on these two questions our visiting speaker asked this week. Like, what am I doing? Okay, really, what am I doing? I don't want, boy, I was scared. In, my, in the church, we're, my wife's pastoring a church in the south of France right now. It was a a tough situation, and, I, and I, I was speaking along something like this, and I said, uh-oh, I don't want to make anyone leave the church. I'm not saying, why are you here? Like, you're not supposed to be. Remember, it's spiritual. You're asking yourself, what, what do you want me to do? Why am I here? And God's asked that to Elijah at a moment that was very, you know, I would have thought it would be surprising. And God really wants an answer from you. And the second one is, what would you have God do for you? That was to a man who was blind and a beggar. Fortunately, he asked for a sight. He could have asked for money. But take a hold of that, and hopefully I challenge you to find another partner in the church, okay? Speak to somebody and say, this crazy guy came through. He's Mrs. Dad, right? And Mrs. Dad, pray for him. Pray for him. <laughs> Mrs. Dad put before us these two questions, and I'm going to work on them this week. And at that point, I want to... Um, I just want to uh, encourage you, uh, the things that in my heart, this passage was, is why it's in my spirit is also a determining direction for this year for me. Uh, you had the message of the of pastor last week. I listened to it. On, uh, I fell asleep. I was tired. <laughs> but it wasn't, I just came in yesterday. It was in 2 Kings, I think, you picked I was wondering why I was going to be speaking about 1 Kings. I don't know how it's going to tie together, but only the spirit can give sense to that. But my spirit is leading like it should. When we're given a direction, let's walk, walk in that. Let's, let's, you know, cattle are beautiful in their own way, but what, what we like about them is they ruminate. They take their food and they, they, they re-ruminate it. They re-chew it and it, it takes time. So that's, that's what a vision is. Let the roots go deep. And these principles of revelation, there's no secrets in it. It's nothing strange. We're not going to find it in, in a big place or a small place. We're not going to hear God in the, in the fire or the lack of fire, in the, in the, in the, in the storm or the no storm. You're going to find God when you're positioned. And getting positioned, I don't know, for each of us means there will be some challenges. He's going to maybe tear down some preconceived ideas. Sometimes we have absolutely false teaching. 
some of the, in, in the global work we do, and I say this totally, uh, humbly, but I just realize a sudden sometimes when, when people have been so long struggling in their faith, and you say, and they're saying, why, why? Now, Abraham, remember, there's a, there's a holding on. There's a holding on. But still, if you have a, a teaching or a positioning, you, you might think it's holier than thou. You, know? you might think suffering is, makes you holy. I run from suffering, but I embrace it in the will of God. I want to know Jesus Christ and the power of his resurrection. And I usually end that verse right there. I want to know Jesus and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. So suffering is a part of our faith, okay? But it's not making you more holy or not. But we have a theology sometimes. And so those are the kind of things like with Elijah. I believe God was just saying, hey, hey, what are you doing? It ain't finished. This is an exciting year. The most exciting year of our lives is right now, okay? I'm going to let you know, guys. I'm sold out on it. (laughs) I believe in it. I'm not making this up. I embrace it. Our most exciting times because we're alive and we're here and God is speaking. God's calling us. He's brought us into something. And he's, but he, he wants to get there and say, hey, are you, are, you on, are you positioned on solidness? That's why we teach. That's why we exhort. That's why we, gifts are in the body. So that the body will get to that place where it becomes mature. We're, and, and the season, is, it, we might still hear the noise going on out there, and, it's, and we're in it, and it is. But the church is maturing. In the United States, like in, in Europe, I couldn't give you more hope in Europe. Sometimes I struggle tremendously in some tough ground. But, hey, the ma- church is maturing. In Africa, it's maturing. In Asia. So I want to challenge you, and I thank you. I know why I'm here. Okay, that question. Why are you here? I'm here in great part because of my daughter, Melissa. She's been a good witness, and you don't know me from anybody, but you know my daughter. And I know she opened this door, and I I couldn't be prouder of her. And I thank you uh, for also investing in her life at this point where she's at and building, because that's kingdom. And when we get to heaven, my gosh, I'll be so excited. See, all the great things are going to happen. And you guys having, some of you know my daughter maybe more than others. I received an encouraging word from John this morning. The Lord's wanting to speak to you. It's not over. This is going to be the best year as we embrace it. Keep your eyes lifted up. Stay faithful, stay hopeful, and stay attentive.